this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. Father God, even as we come in your presence, I pray that the hearers of this message may open their eyes and hearts and really begin to dig deeper. Lord, it's so funny. As a parent, when we repeat things, our children a lot of times don't necessarily hear us. But I even pray now that your people hear you and understand the things that are going forward and understand the season that they're in and that they gain the understanding that is necessary for them to walk in the places that you have destined for them to stand in. Lord, many times, As we attended school, there was homework assigned. And the teacher kept count of those who didn't do the homework. And in many cases, they had parent counseling to where the parents were told what the children wasn't doing. But even now, you being our spiritual parent, And the homework that you are calling forth, I pray even now, that each one receive a sufficient grade in you that shows that they are worthy of the assignments that you are calling forth in them. I pray this now in Jesus' name. I literally looking, listening to the Lord and asking him, how do I start this one out? How do I get you guys to a place where he's trying to get you guys to see how do you come up into the place in which you are required to walk in? I love roses. And in fact, I love red roses and pink roses more than anything. But white roses have become something that I find myself looking at as well. But moving into my house in Chapsworth, I planted a couple of roses going down the pathway and I kind of thought it was cute and so I put up about two or three of them. And then I recognized the two and three that I put there is still so far apart so I just made a pathway that the roses are there. I'm this individual that I love seeing them but I don't like picking them. It's to look upon them as the most beautiful thing of all. 
but to pick them is something that I choose not to do. I love when they're in full bloom, and I love when I'm walking and they just all looked as if they're singing some type of personal song to me because they're in full bloom. And I always stop to talk to them to literally tell them how beautiful they are. I say this because the Lord wanted me to talk about how when I first planted them, I first planted them in the ground and I remember being out there and I don't know if Paul even, yeah, Paul even helped me to plant two additional ones, but the original ones were planted by Glenn, four additional ones, but the original ones were planted by Glenn. And I remember <laughs> trying to plant them and he literally said to me to the extent that you're gonna dig the hole. Well, I'm like, I ain't knowing that. And so I never forget when I tried to dig the place, the dirt was so hard that I was like, I ain't doing this. And, you know, I called, called myself being that, you know, person that could do it. So I jumped on top of the shovel, you know, with the intent to see the dirt, you know, the shovel go deep into the dirt. And I jumped, I don't know how many times and nothing happened. Then I said, I ain't doing this. And I stood back and I watched how he watered the ground and then got the soil soft enough so that he can dig. And then after he dug a hole, I kind of thought, good enough. But he said it has to go deeper. It has to go deeper into the soil. And so he dug deep into the soil, and then at that particular point, he began to water, put water into the hole in which he dug. And I began to pay attention to it, and I said, wow, I would have just dug it lightly. I wouldn't have put any water in it, because you know I started off not even wetting the ground. But eventually he went down into the dirt. And then as he dug down into the dirt, he began to pull away other roots that was in the bottom of the dirt. And in my mind, where'd that come from? There's nothing up there, out there. But I didn't realize weeds sprout and have roots as well. But as I began to watch as he was putting the flower in, he then said, Let's take it out of the pot that it came in. And I said, okay. And then he said, now I want you to pull apart the roots and begin to massage. And I'm like, I'm pulling apart because if I pull apart the roots, it's going to kill it in my mind. But he said, no, 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 stretch it out, pull it apart. That's your job. And so I began to stretch it out. And he says, and I want you to take the fertilizer and mix that in and make sure that everything is there and you stretch it apart so that it can grow. Too much work. We always consider things too much so we look up for others to do the heavy lifting. And the Lord is literally saying, 
that you are now in the season that you can't look to others to do the work for you. You're in the season that you have to do the heavy lifting. You no longer can call on somebody else to do the work for you. You have to begin to spend the quality time with him to do your own work. Many of us don't want to do the heavy lifting. We want others to lift for us, so we call on others to basically give us the insight to something we can get ourselves. I was sitting in the car and I was literally saying, hey, Lord, what is the message that is for the people today when he gave me Mark again? And I said, Mark? I said, wait a minute, we're back to the sower things? What the heck is going on that we're right back to the place that I thought we had overcome? He said, for you see this as something you obtain. He said, but I have a house full of people who haven't got there yet. And then I said, God, gotten where? He said, they don't dig deeper, they're surface. They don't explore and they don't look and they don't try to find out and really understand the things that are before them. They just accept things for what it is. And so because they accept things for what it is, they have struggles. He began to talk to me about muffin toppers. You guys know what they had. They had a store. Even better yet, if you ever watch one of the Stein, uh, Steinfeld movies, one of the episodes was about muffin toppers. And they had all these muffin toppers that everybody loved because the top of the muffin was the best of the, uh, best, of the best. The little part that's in the cup, nobody wanted to eat that, and so they would literally toss it, right? And so it was a great idea for everybody, but then they had all of these bottoms that it <laughs> showed on the Steinfeld that they had to throw away because nobody wanted the bottom. They just wanted the top of the muffin because the top had everything that you can possibly think of. It had the right season, the right browning, had the crunchiness, everything that's to it. And then he said, you guys are in the muffin topper environment. You just want what's on the top. You want the nice fluffy ingredients, you want it to taste well, you want it to look good, but you're not digging deeper. And in that place you're not digging deeper, you look for others to dig deeper for you, and so all you get is the top of what God has to offer. You don't dig deeper to get everything, and the bottom is greater than the top. He said, for the muffin started at the bottom and it rose to what it became on top, but many of us don't see, we only want the top because we don't see that the bottom was what created the top. He says, it's time for you to do the work. He said, repeat that again, it's time for you to do the work. He said, you have called on others to do the work for you, but it's time for you to do the work. It's time for you to hear for yourself. It's time for you to see beyond where you're standing. It's time for you to interpret the things in which I'm saying to you. 
it's time for you to do the work. It's time for you to understand where you're standing in the spirit and come into the place where I need you to be. It's time for you to do the work. He said it's no longer the pastor's job and others' jobs to bring you up. It's your time to get up and to come into the place where I'm calling you into. It's time to do the work. Amen. I wish Amanda was here because not too long ago, Amanda had such a beautiful dream. And the dream was so exciting to me that I was like, oh my God, Lord, if I can interpret this, this would be awesome. And so she shared the dream with me, and as she began to share the dream with me, she began to go into the details of the dream. If you heard the dream, it seemed like it was the most difficult dream to interpret. But as I was interpreting the dream, she watched what I did. All I literally said was, God, you are the one who gives dreams and you are the author of dreams. And so even now, as I pray in the spirit, Lord, that you will give me the revelation that will speak to your daughter, that she may understand all the things that you are saying to her. I heard the dream for the first time. I think most of you guys know my process. I hear the dream the first time. It is for the first time I hear the dream, it's for me to understand that it is from God. Because I'm not going to waste my time seeking to interpret something that's not of God. Because sometimes our anxiety and all the things that we contend with causes us to have dreams. And sometimes the dreams are not of God. And it's basically based on your emotion, no state that you're in. And so as she began to share forth the dream, I heard it the first time, and I said, now repeat it the second time. And the reason why I repeat it the second time is because once I know that the dream is of God, I literally make absolutely sure that I do everything in my power to give it back to him because it's not my dream. I literally said, hey, this is what your daughter has given to me, and I have no wisdom and no knowledge to handle this, so here you go, here it goes. And then in return, he provides me the wisdom and the insight to understand what's before me. And the funny part about it, he always starts off by saying, you know this. And the reason why he says, you know this, is because he encourages me to look beyond where I'm standing. He literally says, you know this because my spirit man knows it but my fleshly man doesn't. And so when he tells me I know this, I know he's saying connect to your spirit. He's not telling me that my flesh can understand it. He's saying you know this because you know what I speak to you by the spirit. And so as I begin to look at the things that he shares with me, it lines up with the actual individual because all I'm saying is what I'm hearing. He says, say to the people this, you are accountable for what I give you. 
He says it's time to grow up. I was told a story of something that was really interesting to me because it is so true that we all follow the same pattern. There's been many times that I've been in places where people will start praying regarding one situation that one may share. And the more people that walk into the room, they will pray the same thing. So then you have five people in the room praying for the same situation when the first person who literally told the story should have had enough faith to believe God and trusted God that others didn't need to be brought into their space. But many of us operate from that same particular standpoint. Listen to what I just said. You will bring something to the attention of God. You will pray to God asking for the wisdom and the knowledge and understanding in regards to it. And then you will go and tell five others and five others will stand with you in that particular place praying for the same thing. The Lord says, why do you waste my time? Mature people understand that when they pray that God hears their heart and in return answers. He goes on to say, you are mature. I constantly remind you that you are mature adults. Grow up. Many times we bring issues or challenges to others because we don't feel that we have the strength and the ability to stand in what God is calling for. And the Lord reminds me of the most important thing, not by my will, not by my might, but by your power, Lord. If you remind yourself that it is by his power that you are able to do things, then you will not have to graft others into doing things for you. I'm reminded of another funny story, but my daughters will be pissed off because I will share the story. <laughs> Something about these two women. And I think sometimes it's my fault, but I don't think it's my fault, but I think it's just the way they see life. I don't own a purse. Better yet, I do own a, a, I take that back, two, maybe, maybe three. One is in such disarray that I use it as a storage. <laughs> the other one I carry, and I don't know why. Because if you ever stop to say, Pastor, what you got in it, you will be shocked. Whatever I have in it, I still eat it. <laughs> and it may be 10 years old, but I still eat it. And I will offer it to you. 
You just don't know. <laughs> it was not too long ago we were at a funeral and they wanted breath mints and I said, oh yes, I have some. They stuck together. Okay? But I said they still worked. Cinnamon kept saying, Mom, how long you been having this? I cannot say. It looks new to me because I didn't know it. <laughs> Surprise. But I'm back to the three purses I have. This is one that I carry diligently with me. The other one is a, I don't even know what color it is. It looks like it's rust or something. But I carry that every once in a while when I go to interviews and stuff like that to make them think that I am put together. <laughs> Did you hear? To make them think yeah. I am put together. And the other two, I don't know. They were purses that Cinnamon talked me into that I really didn't need. And so I, you could tell I didn't need them because they're storage for bills. But say I asked for a purse. And I want you guys to hear the story because I'm going somewhere with it spiritually. And I always have this desire to get my kids some nice purses. But their amount of purse doesn't fall in my life light. <laughs> okay? They believe purses should come $3,000 or more. Okay? And they have these name brands that's on it that don't make sense to me because I don't know Susie from whoever. Okay? And a lot of times they go into these places. And, you know, I get all jazz. And, and, and I'd be so ready. Perfect example. Say a birthday came. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm going somewhere with this story. And we're in a Gucci store or whatever it's called. Uh, and we're in something, Satan, something, Satan, something, Lorraine, or I don't know what her, I think her name, her Lorraine or Serene or whatever the case may be. I don't know what it is, but we're in this store. And I want the cheapest thing in the store, right? The cheapest thing in the store. And so I go and I find something that's cheap. She says, oh, no, Mom, I don't want that. You out of my price range now, Okay. <laughs> And so then she says, well, look at this, look at that, look at this, look at that. And then she began to go higher and higher and higher. And my anxiety went higher and higher and higher and higher. And then I began to say, Lord, if it's a purse that you want me to get her, I'll get it. But if this is not the purse you want her me to get her, then let her know. She sent me screenshots. She sent me another screenshot. She sent me about five or six different screenshots of purses. I said, Lord, I'm not going to answer her. <laughs> she then goes and tells her sister, Mom did it to me again. She's got me thinking I'm going to get something and it's not going to happen. She would get it if she's in my range. My range is anything under $100. 
Better yet, if you can find something in Target, it's even better. I am the individual that will go with the knockoffs, you know, the ones that they on the corner that looks like the real stuff that you don't know it's the real stuff. And the people might, they don't look at whether or not I got a real purse or not. They just like, she got a purse. They, they're excited that she got a purse. That she ain't got everything in her hand or in her work bag toting it around. That, they, all they care is she got a purse. And, and they think I got stuff in it. Okay, and so as I began to look at what the Lord was literally saying to me, listen to what I'm saying, because this is not about the purse, it's not about the, the amount, the price, or anything. It's so important that we stop to look at the value of our work and how much we're willing to put into what we want things to look like. Sometimes we measure our relationship with God and it looks like it's under $100. But God is looking for that 3000 that 4000 that $5,000 value. Because he knows that the more you put into the relationship, the higher the value you are to those that he needs to sing you to. But many of us are like me. I don't even carry a purse. Get it? We're not even thinking we carry Christ. Because we lessen the value of Christ in us because we're unwilling to put the work into it. Surface things. God pops into our day here or there. We think we got a connection. God shares something with us and somebody else walks along the path and hears the same thing and it becomes a confirmation, you're celebrating like, oh my God, Lord, we connected. He said, but you devalue what I put in each one of you. And he says, and the only time I become a value is through crisis. He says, I want you to carry me like you carrying a million dollar purse. I want you to carry me as if I'm the most valuable thing that you possess. And then he says, in the things that I have given you, I want you to treat it as if it's new every day. Get it? That gum was old. That breath mint was probably about 10 years old, but I thought it was still a value because it still got the job done. 
And so the Lord is looking for us to look beyond where we're standing and really begin to take what he's giving to us and really can deem it's valuable. I'm a prophet, but I don't see any value in being a prophet. I'm a teacher, but I don't see the value of being a teacher. I'm a pastor. I don't see the value of it. And the reason why we lessen the value is because we don't value the relationship. He says, again, I'm speaking to your condition. So the sower sows seeds. He just threw them out there. Because he didn't see the value in him sowing seeds. And so many of us don't see the value in the seeds that's been sown. And the reason we don't see the value in the seeds that were sown, because we devalue things unless we're going to difficult times. Right? If I'm going through something, I'm like, where them seeds at? But if it Something I'm just walking through day in and day out. I don't see the value in it. So I lessen the value. I look at things from a small value. Or, or I'm, I'm in that position such as I'm dealing with my daughter. Lord, let them see. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Get it? I don't want to dig deeper. Because to plant the rose bushes, they had to go deep into the soil. And for the things that you're desiring, you got to go deeper. And not only is it that you got to go deeper, you have to be uncomfortable. Do you not see? Oh my God, I gotta pick on the other daughter. I don't know if you call it her football season or if it's her whatever, whatever, but she, my daughter, yeah, she know how to cook. And I love the fact that she knows how to cook. But she is literally driving me crazy. Oh, it's called her Super Bowl. Oh, my God. She's been telling me every single day, my, my Super Bowl is coming up. My Super Bowl is coming up. I'm like, Super Bowl? What the heck are you talking about? You ain't in no game. And she keeps telling me about a Super Bowl. And so we go out, we get pastries or whatever the case may be, bread for the Super Bowl. And then all of a sudden as she's going to get bread for the Super Bowl, she said, Mom, you're going to pay for the gas for me to get back home? Heck, I ain't paying for your gas. Pay for your own gas. She said, but my Super Bowl is coming up. This girl won't pick a ball up if it kill her. So what Super Bowl is she talking about? And she's telling me that Thanksgiving is an event for her 
and she's all in and the game's gonna be it and she has to make sure that everybody shows up and that what she cooks is her greatest play. It's her Super Bowl. It's a day for me. And then the Lord began to talk to me about, look at all the work she's putting into this. That when October the 20th or 15th came, she talked about Thanksgiving. It's over a month and something away. She's even talking about who she's inviting, as if I care. That's the day I come in, I really don't put on clothes, I lay on the couch with the hopes that I can eat, steal food, and sleep. Doesn't mean nothing to me. And I don't, the only thing is I don't have to cook. And so she's all caught up in this Super Bowl, going somewhere with the story as well. And we got to go to Costco just to look around. We got to go to Costco to look around. And she's saying, Super Bowl event, we got to go look. Okay, let's go to Costco and look around. But you can't look around in Costco because you always got to buy something if you look around in Costco. You just can't. Just like Target and Costco are not places you look around in. And so we go through and we get some things and I'm like, okay, I'm fine. Okay? But she's still talking about Super Bowl. And the Lord began to talk to me about all the preparation that we put into things outside of him. Get it? It looks like a Super Bowl that all the players show up, that all the vent, everybody's attention, and it's the best of the best. And the Lord says, the effort that you put into everything else, for it to come out to be fantastic, I'll say it like that, is the effort that he wants you to put into him. He says, I would love to be the Super Bowl. And you're the invited guest. But better yet, you're the one that has invited to put on the show for everybody else. And you have the ability to share everything I've given you. He literally said, would you show up for the event or would you call her out? He said, every day is the Super Bowl for me because every day I want to display the best of you. He said, many of you don't even accept my invitations. She said, no, he was going somewhere. 
He says, you have other things to do. So every day, God has the event that he puts on every day. He calls you. And heaven stands there ready to participate. But you don't show up. Because it's not your Super Bowl. And so as I begin to look at these things, he said to me, He said, what if Josie knew I was calling her to pray? And she prayed and she believed that everything that she was saying, she was doing it according to what I called for. And it was exactly how it was. And she seen miracle after miracle. He said, what if Charlie knew that her voice was to call people in from darkness and that she sung went out at issue and all that heard her voice came in. He said, what if the prophet is precious? He called her Clark. I don't know why he used that name. But he said Clark could interpret the things that I have given her. And that she would call the church to walk in the place that I have destined for them to become. He said, what if she took all the things that she has documented and she basically recognized it was a storybook and that storybook represented a chapter in each one of your lives and she brought it and handed it to each one of you and you were set free. What would that look like to you? And then he says, only these things are possible if you dig deeper. These things are only possible if you can dig deeper. He then began to remind me of his painter. And he says, what if my painter just began to paint the things that she's seen in heaven and she began to make this beautiful display of what kingdom looked like and everybody that looked at the picture turned to me and was healed. Would you dig deeper? What if the one that I have put on showcase for others to look at truly understood the value of who she was? And even as she stood in the brands of her own, that she would recognize that I have called her into a greater place. That's you.
He says, the things that I say to many of you are foreign to you because you look at things from your lens and not from mine's. The things that I am saying to you are foreign to you because you like toppers. Because it's easy. It's the simplest thing for you to basically deal with what's on the top. You don't want to go deeper because the deeper you go, the more wisdom you get and the greater your value becomes in the kingdom. But many of us stays in the place where we devalue ourselves because we've been accustomed to being devalued. And we say to ourselves what we cannot do, but God says you're much more than who you are. He said, what if the couple that is destined to be married shortly would understand that they have a healing ministry, that the ministry starts from the inner heart, and they're going to heal many people? Hi. What if they discovered that? What if they discovered that their union didn't come through their pastor, but their union came through their existence in me? What if the oldest daughter would understand that she basically brings women into it and she has a women's ministry that is set on fire and that she has books attached to the women's ministry? Who would she be? And the little one slays demons. What if she really knew who she was? Wow, you want me to talk about that? I was once asked by a leader, how do you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And that was the most exciting answer I could give because it required great detail. But in many of you, you do not see the details of the excitement because of the fact you don't see truly how things are put together. My favorite sandwich is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But a lot of times people try to make it for me and they can't make it for me because it requires fresh bread. And it's not the any old kind of bread that you can get off the shelf. You have to be able to touch the bread and you know that it's fresh. 
not something that's been sitting in the market for whatever. If the, you see the bread man coming, that's the best time to buy the bread. But many of us pick up the bread while it's still in its expiration date. We're good at picking milk off the shelf, but we're not good at picking bread off the shelf because if we picked it, we would literally look at the expiration date and understand when to pick it. And so the Lord literally says, it starts with you understanding the expiration date and that you then pick it from there. You then also look at the peanut butter and jelly, but you don't have to focus in on their expiration date. You just make sure that the peanut butter is smooth and the jelly is chunky. <laughs> I didn't say the peanut butter was chunky, but the jelly is chunky. Because that means it's in its rightful state the reason why I'm going over the, uh, the details of a putting the peanut butter and jelly together because God wants you to understand he's all about detail. He is not about the muffin top. And many of you guys think he's the muffin topper when he's the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He wants you to dive deeper into that. And then once you begin to put the peanut butter on the table. You want to make sure that when you pop the top, you hear that pop. You know it's fresh peanut butter. And when the jelly is the jelly, and you know you have the best jelly, you know when you click that top, it's like, oh, you got to bang it a little bit to get it open. But once you get it open, you then get your knife, perfect butter knife. And you take the bread off of, out of the pack and you put it on a napkin. And then you slowly begin to make sure that the peanut butter hits every edge. Some people like to take the crust off, but if you get it on every edge, the crust won't matter. And then you turn around and you put the jelly on the other half of the bread. You don't mix it on the top because you get the peanut butter stuck in the jelly. So you take the jelly and you put it on the other slice of bread. And you make sure that you get it on every corner, but you want to make sure that you have, if you like the strawberry jam, you're going to make sure you get nut strawberries in there so that you have it in its right. You slowly put them together and you pat it lightly. Holy Spirit said, listen to what I'm saying. He says, I'm teaching you how to make a jelly sandwich. He said, but it's not about a jelly sandwich. This is about the ingredients that causes the jelly sandwich to be what it is. He said, this is about you being who you are based on what I have put in you. I want everybody to know the ingredients that's on the inside of you. 
And the only way I can do that is to truly cause you to go deeper. Today was a little rough day when it came to worship. And the reason why worship was difficult, because we live on the outside. We have to be told to go deeper. We have to be told to enter in. But imagine if you wasn't told. Imagine if you just entered in. Imagine if you practiced it every day and it was something that you were able to do all the time. The church would look different. Better yet, the church would be outside. Get it? Because it wouldn't need to come in because it would understand who it is and it would do its job. But because of the fact that we don't know who we are, we have to constantly assemble ourselves to try to figure out what it is, and some of us still trying to figure it out today. He says, I need you to grow up. I need you to take the walk serious. I need you to begin to put into practice the things in which I have shown you over time. I need you to be out of that place where excuses becomes everything that you say. And he said, and I need you to stop wasting time. You guys know what that looks like, right? God tells you something and you need somebody to pray about it. God tells you something, you say, I need somebody to fast with me. If God told you something, then you need to activate it and you need to stand in the place in which he's calling you to stand in. The enduring app. The funny part about this, I only want, not about the sore, I want you to hear everything that they've written about it other, outside of what the sore does. Because the Lord said, don't talk about the sore. So he said, talk about all the things that this writer is writing that's outside of how he's looking at things. Mark 4. Uh, what app is this? Enduring app. Yeah. I don't need any of that. I want to go into the analogies there. This That's is the boat. Analogy of the boat. This is not the sower. This is the, oh. he, he talks about yeah. the beginning Perfect. before. Okay. Perfect. So, um, so you guys know the sower went out to sow seeds. Some went on the wayside. Some went on. It's talking about your heart. Talking about your condition. So it talks about a sower went out to sow. In this parable, Jesus describes something they were all familiar with. 
a farmer casting seed on the ground and the seed falling on different types of soil. Uh, the seed fell on three areas without lasting success. On the pathway, on the rocky ground, and on the thorny ground. But I some- I wanna make sure you guys see. The seed fell in, on three places without lasting success. God's looking for lasting success in you. And that's what he's after right now. He's looking for lasting success. And so that means if he's called you who you are, he wants that success to be in such. Takiya shared the story about Jonathan uh, yesterday, uh, uh, on Bible study, and she talked about him walking in purpose and doing what he is. But one thing you don't understand about Jonathan is he's freaking out every step of the way. He calls me every hour on the hour, and especially when he doesn't find customers and nobody's picking up what he has. But the funny part I love about Jonathan, he shows up still. He may be uncomfortable, it may not look like it's working for him, but he still moved into purpose. And the funny part about it is he has nothing else, so he has no other choice but to make it work because he's cut off everything. And so what I'm literally saying, he removed all of his comforts and he's in what his purpose is. And so, if he fails, he fails, get it? But he's tried it. Many of you don't move because if you fail, you won't try again. You live in your discomfort. Instead of making your home a place of comfort because you know that God is going to move in that place. Excuse me, he said a place of discomfort because God moves in discomfort. Continue, but some of the seed fell on good ground. It wasn't that the farmers stupidly or carelessly sowed the seeds. Some seed fell on the pathway by accident. But most of the seed was sown on ground that was plowed after the seed was cast. Therefore, you didn't know where rocks were or where thorns might grow. Though this is commonly called the parable of the sower, it should be really be called the parable of the soils. The difference is never the seed, but on the kind of soils, soil it falls on. Of the seed that fell on the good ground, all of it produced, but not all produced the same degree. Continue. All right. So the spiritual meaning of the parable was not immediately apparent. The disciple of Jesus, including the 12, didn't know what Jesus meant. And they say they asked him about the parable. Jesus would answer the disciples questions about the parable. But first, he would teach them why he used parables. Um, the disciple who wanted the things of God were given to know the mystery of the kingdom. They could be spoken to plainly, but others were often taught with parables. Let me 
making sure you guys see that. Because a lot of times, God still speaks to many of you in parables. He doesn't give you the full insight to something because he's looking for you to search it out. But many of you don't take the effort to search it out. And in that place, you don't take the effort to search it out, so it still becomes a mystery. You never get insight on it. You eventually walk away from it because you never bother to search it out to gain understanding of what he's really saying to you. You never say, Lord, I don't know what this means, and I'm going to sit before you until I find out and, and gain understanding. Many times you have difficult things that goes on in your life, and you don't know why. You never stop to find out why. You don't even know why you respond a certain way. You know, you don't even look at your learned behaviors and habits and understand why they play a role in your life. And the reason why you don't do that is because you assume that these things are not byproducts of some of the things that hold you in place. You have to start searching and understanding things from the spirit realm and why it's playing as such on the inside of you. Why do I always have to walk in here and I struggle to get into worship? You have to ask why. What's leading and what's in front of me that prevents me from standing up? Why do I still have a power spirit upon me when I'm no longer in that place? Is it the region I'm living in? Ask questions. But you don't ask. And so you die because of a lack of understanding. So the spiritual man is constantly dying off because you're not asking questions. Two weeks ago, Bradley walks up to me after we're dealing with this woman, and he says, Pastor, you got a demon on you. I immediately say to him, get it off of me. <laughs> but then I recognize later that that's not his job. That's my job. Get it? And so then he said, Hmm, this has to do with people, how you see people. And he began to talk to me about people, and that didn't stop. So I got to work on Monday, I was still looking at it. Tuesday, I was still looking at it. Wednesday, I was still looking at it. And you know where the Lord took me? You guys will be shocked. He literally took me back to a place where I could see in my home where my mom and dad, I can't call him my dad, my mom and that man who was in the house called himself my mama's boyfriend, a husband, whatever the heck he was at the particular time. He was beating on my mom. And the Lord showed me a young girl freaking out as a result of hearing the beating in the other room. Mm -hmm. 
And in that, he said, this is where you've chosen to try to please people. Get it? And then he said, let me take you further into this so that you can truly see yourself. He showed me married, me married, and my husband going off in the most unusual way. And my response was, how do I get him to shut up? Just do it. Get it? Just do whatever was there, even if it was wrong, just to do it, to keep it quiet, so that nobody could hear him act the fool. He said, this is learned behavior, baby. Get it? You learned how to cope with difficult situations so you go out of the way to please people, so that they don't act the fool. He said, never standing in who you are. He said, that's their problem, but you done made it yours. I wouldn't have never found that unless I dug deeper. He shows you glints into your scenery. And then the funny part about the Lord, he literally showed me the movie Scrooge. And I never understood the movie Scrooge. He said, I was pointing out things in this particular man's life so that he could be better. I always thought Scrooge was a bad movie, but I watched it every year. But the Lord was showing me, even in this, he brought change, but the man had to want the change. And many of us, God seeks to bring changes in your life, but you got to want to change. But the problem is, with us, we like to blame other people for our, our, our bad habits. And the Lord literally said, the things that you dealt with, that was your mama's situation. But you made it yours. What she dealt with, you made it yours. And then he said, what the man contended with, you made it yours. And he said, and you learned how to cope under these situations. And this is not something I want you to cope anymore under. I want you to release that and stop being concerned with behaviors of others. It is not your job to fix them. It is your job not to respond the way you have learned to respond to things. And you need to begin to take a step back when you see these behaviors and ask me how to react. Oh my goodness. Now the soil is getting better. It can grow something on it. Hopefully you get what he's trying to get you to see. You don't stop to ask questions. You just look at things from a different point. 
and you get mad at them. It would be simple as Rashida saying, Lord, I'm back in my mother's house. Why am I here? What is it that I'm supposed to learn this time? Why am I here? What is it that I need to get this time to stay out of here? But we don't ask questions like that. We just get annoyed because we're there. But we never stop to get an understanding of why we're walking in a place. It's easy for me to blame others, but it's more difficult for me to find the solution. God is a God of solutions. And so he said, I want to bring them here again. This time I hope they'll do the work. So let's see what he says here. Read that part again. The disciples who wanted the things of God were given to know the mystery of the kingdom. They could be. They wanted to. Hear me? And they were given to know the mysteries. But they had to search it out. They had to ask questions. Do you see? They asked privately, Lord, what was this about? Privately. They could be spoken to plainly, but others were often thought with parables. In the Bible, a mystery isn't something you can figure out. It is something that you would not know unless God revealed it to you. Why are we here? Some of you guys looking for understanding, and, and the only way you're going to find it is he got to tell you. In the biblical sense of the idea, you might know exactly what a mystery is, yet it is still a mystery because you would not have known unless God revealed it. Notice that even with this simple parable, the disciples themselves do not understand. Um, parables in their spiritual function are more like riddles or puzzles than easy illustration. They can be understood by those who have the right key. A parable isn't exactly an illustration. A good teacher can illustrate by stating a truth than stating illustrating the truth through a story or an analogy. But when Jesus used parables, he didn't start by stating a truth. Instead, the parable was like a doorway. Hopefully you guys got it. It said it's a key. It's a key to insight, to have the insight. All of you guys have been given the keys to the kingdom. But when did you access the doors? Hopefully you guys get that. Jesus' listener stood at the doorway and heard him. If they were not interested, they stayed on the outside. But if they were interested... Get it? If you're not interested, then you just hear it and you just move on. And you're on the outside. Many of you are standing on the outside because you're not fully interested. And so when the word of God goes forward, you're not fully interested. 
It catches some of your attention, but not all your attention. So you stand on the outside of the door. God is inviting you in today. He wants you inside the door. So he's opening the door so you can come in because he wants you to ask him questions. But if they were interested, they could walk through the doorway and think about the truth behind the parable and what it meant to their lives. Think about the truth and what it means to your lives. Again, he talked about me buying a bag, but he talked about Sayah's bag being priceless. He wants you to go after the priceless things. Continue. If you don't understand the key to the parable, you don't understand it at all. We can't imagine what different people in Jesus' audience might have thought when he thought this parable with no explanation. The farmer thought, he's telling me that I have to be more careful in the way I cast my seed. That's what many of us look. Oh, I gotta be more careful in the way we're throwing out sleep. We don't see nothing else. I guess I've been wasting a, a, an awful lot. And we literally say, well, I've wasted an awful lot of time trying to do that. That's exactly what we do. The politician thought, He's telling me that I need to begin a farm education program to help farmers more efficiently cast their seed. This will be a big boost in my election campaign. The newspaper reporter thought, he's telling me that there is a big story here about the bird problem and how it affects the farming community. That's a great idea for our series in the paper. Salesman thought, He's encouraging me in, the, in my fertilizer sales. Why I could help that farmer more than he knows if I, he only used my product. But none of them could understand the spiritual meaning until Jesus explained the key to them. The sower sows the word. Mark 4, 14. If you miss the key, you miss the whole parable. If you think the seed represents money, you miss the parable. If you think the seed represents love, you miss the parable. If you think the seed represents hard work, you miss the parable. You can only understand it by understanding the key. The sower sows the word. Without the key, the parables are hard to understand. Hold on. The sower sows the word. Who are the sowers? And what are you doing? You're sowing the word. You're allowing the word of God to resonate inside of you. And so you're looking at it and seeing where it fits. You're looking at it to see where it fits in your life. And making sure, because the word fully fits in every single one of our life, but it fits differently. And so I may share with you a story, what God has given me insight to share, but you're to take that story and say, how is this likened to me? 
How does this fit into what I'm walking through right now? What is it that you're trying to do in me that will bring the results that you're desiring? So I got some prophets in here. What is God saying to this house prophets right now? What's he saying? What do you say? What are we shame, saying, Rashida? What is he saying? Say yeah. What's he saying? Teachers, what are he saying? And to choose him means to come all the way in. You know, there's been times where I've reached out and God has given some of you scripture and in giving you some of your scripture, you're like, I don't see how that fits into my life. I don't see what God is saying. It's because you're looking at the words, but you're not looking at the spirit. Get it? You're looking at words, but you're not looking at the spirit. And many of us are looking at words, but we're not diving into the spiritual aspect of the word to understand what he's saying. And if you're really looking at the spirit, you're seeing things from God's standpoint and you're seeing things in according to what he is calling forth and you're no longer in that position to where you're looking at things from your standpoint. God never holds things back from you, but he requires you to work. He ain't gonna give his secrets to anybody. And, and, and you guys are asking for more, asking for greater revelation, but you're not willing to put the work in. Many of you guys have done many exercises with me early morning, but you're still in the same place because you're still unwilling to put the work in. And you will cheer on those who do but you won't cheer on yourself. You guys get that, right? Because you're like, oh, praise God, I can see God using you. But what about you? Get that? That's why we're here again. Exactly. 
But to my next seat. If you walk through the door behind someone else, you are only a visitor then. You can only visit, not remain. And then when the person comes out, you got to go out too. Because you're a visitor and you can't get back in. And so that's why a lot of times you say, Pastor, I don't know how to get in. Because you ain't using your key, you're trying to use my key. You're looking for somebody to help you through when you got to do the work. You can't live off somebody else's work. You can't. And you're living off of other people's works. And you're looking for others to help you into what you already have. <coughs> How often have you taken a message and said before that God and say, okay, this message was given, it rocked me. Why? If you never ask why, you never gain understanding. You never move from the position you're in. The only time I've seen you guys look at a message was that message that could say a guy because it rocked the heck out of you, but you didn't do nothing with it. You just allowed it to rock you. And then you said to yourself, I ain't going to be in this position, and then you went back to your old behaviors. Something pissed you off, something made you mad, and you went right back to your standing still mode. And if something pissing you off and making you mad, you got to look at you. Stop looking at other people. Why am I moved? Not why do they, why do they piss me off? Because you're only going to get why they piss you off. Okay? And, 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 and the enemy knows you're pissed off, so in return, what is going to speak? Everything you want to hear. And he will raise up justifiers. And not looking at what is it that moves me that you're trying to tell me I need to get out of my own way. 99% of the time if you move by something, you ain't doing something. It ain't the other person. I know it to be true. I've been married for 32 years and I know it to be true. Because every time I went to the Lord about my husband, you know what the Lord says? You're the problem. Yeah. He has never jumped on my side. And I'm like, I even have, have sometimes said, Lord, when are you going to be on my side? When one time I'm going to come to you and you're going to be on my side? And you know what he said to me? It ain't about sides. It's about your maturing. Guys, get this, right? Yeah. You see why we're here again, right? Yeah. Understand what he's saying, because this one should rattle you. Continue. 
Without the key, the parables are hard to understand. <laughs> you get a dream, it's hard to understand. And some of you have been getting the same dreams over and over and over, and God is trying to get you to come to him to gain understanding. But you're only getting the visitor's viewpoint because you're going to others. For parables fail the truth of the kingdom being stated in the terms of another realm. The, what did it say? For parables fail the truth of the kingdom being stated in terms of another realm. So each one of you have your own parables and it unveils the truth of the kingdom in you. So I can't unveil the truth of the kingdom. You gotta go get the key to unlock the actual portion of the kingdom you possess. Because we don't stand in the same area of the kingdom. We ain't even in the same area of the room. We're all in the same room, but I cannot stand in the same area that you're standing in. And even if I sat on top of you, I'm still not in the same area that you're in. Without a spiritual truth and insight, they are unintelligible. Whoop! Did you get it? Yeah. So without spiritual truth and insight, you ain't even intelligent. I think God just called us dummies. It's hard to sit in front of God because it requires time. But if you make it a habit, it gets less and less and easier and easier. I come home, I sit on the couch. I sit there for hours on end. And I may hear one thing. Other days I may not hear nothing. But I'm diligent to come back to the same pace every single day. Because I'm determined to hear. So, by quoting the passage from Isaiah 6 9, Jesus explained why he used parables. In teaching by parables, Jesus offered his hearer the opportunity to dig deep and find the truth or to turn a blind eye to an, an interesting story. And what do you guys do? Turn a blind eye to an interesting story. It's an interesting story. Pastor went through, she is funny. Interesting story. They might therefore avoid a greater condemnation for having rejected a clearly understood truth. Mm, did you hear that one too? Read that again. They might, under, they might therefore avoid a greater condemnation for having rejected a clearly understood truth. So we're saying, mm, I'm going to push that off because I don't want to go into a place where I'm condemning myself because I rejected truth. It's, it's, it's God's protection also. For those exactly. Not listening. 
Jesus didn't use parables to blind people, but because they were blind. Therefore, Jesus used the parabolic method not in order to blind them, but in order to make them look again. Look again, you guys. He's trying to get us to look again. Look at the situation you have going on in your life again. Look at why you respond to things. Look at why certain things impact you the way it impacts you. Look at it. And, and as I was looking at truth again, this week I was looking at something and the Lord showed me about me and disappointment. I wanted so bad as a kid to escape from my abusive environment. My auntie and my dad would tell me, hey, we're coming. And we're going to pick you up and you can spend some time with us. And when it didn't come forward, how did I feel? Okay? Rejected? Okay? And so that rejection began to be in habit. And so then I got into a place, I don't want to be rejected, so I won't offer nothing. Get it? But not seeing it, by me offering and taking it back, my children now see that, oh, God, oh, she ain't going to do it. So they experience the same form of rejection, too. Because I let it handle me and them. But you got to understand why. Um, let me repeat from the top. Therefore, Jesus used the parabolic method not in order to bl blind them, but in order to make them look again. Not in order to prevent them from coming to forgiveness, but in order to lure them toward a new attention. Ooh. That means to lure you even further beyond where you're at. Yeah. So that you wouldn't even stay in the place where you're at to go much further than where you were. So that their guilt may not be accumulated, the Lord no longer addresses them directly in an explicit teachings during the period immediately preceding his crucifixion, but in parables. In light of this, how blessed are those who do, not, who do understand the parables of Jesus. Not only do they gain the benefit of the spiritual truth illustrated, they also display some measure of responsiveness of, to the spirit. Woo. Do you get it? So they not only, but then they're, they're displaying a response. So there's a response that we have to have to what God is saying. 
This is where he literally said to me, as I started off my prayer, as a parent, remember how I said, as a parent, Lord, let us respond. And we don't respond to what he's saying. We say, oh, that's good. Oh, Lord, that hit me. Oh, my God. That's, that's our response. But that response should yield an action by us. I'm going to do something different. And I'm no longer going to do what I have been doing. So it's looking for a different response. And the funny part about it, your spirit man a lot of times wants to respond, but then because the flesh overpowers it, it produces no response. You know how your spirit man says, I ain't going to do that no more. But then your flesh says, oh, that's uncomfortable. And it diminishes the response. See it? How it diminishes our response. Because it convicts us, it produces another response, and in that place where that another response comes forward, something else comes behind it that has learned behavior attached to it and pushes you back to comfort zone. I go right back to where I'm comfortable. Because what I responded to made me feel uncomfortable, and that's the place I want to be in, because that's where God is in that uncomfortable place. But because I don't like to be uncomfortable, I'm going to respond with the response that's going to allow me to stay in my mess. Continue. Um, uh, explanation on the parable of the sower explain Mark 4. Uh, this is the 13th to 20th. Jesus considered this parable as essential to understanding his other parables. Jesus said that the word of God is like a seed. It gets planted in our hearts and then has the potential to bear fruit. But not every seed grows into a plant and bears fruit. The kind of soil it lands on makes all the difference. The natural tendency is for the audience to critique the preacher. But here, Jesus the preacher critiques his audience. <laughs> the issue is how well they will hear, not how well he will preach. We learn something else here. It is by preaching that the seed is sown, you can study the seed, categorize the seed, analyze the seed, know the seed, or even love the seed. But if you don't sow it, nothing will grow. Get it? What did Billy talk about? Characterizing the seed. Study. He studied the seed, because he showed you guys how to study the seed. Analyze. Know the seed, love even the seed. to know the seed, love the seed, but it never produced. So you're wondering why your lives look like what they look like? It's because you're not producing. Wonder know why you still got struggle with people? Not producing. Get it? Not producing. Want to know you're still chasing after a promise God said? Not producing. And when you sow something, 
you don't go back and dig it up. Our unbelief digs it up. How many things you can see yourself just with a shovel digging it up? That's not me digging it up because it was difficult for you to believe it. So you're digging it up. And then the Holy Spirit literally said, some of you don't even dig it up. He showed me somebody in the spirit going to where the seed is and smashing the seed in its soil. You guys got that, right? To where they go in, where they plant it, and they're literally standing and squashing it. And how they are squashing it is with the words they use against themselves. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you guys seen that, right? Restaurant builds this beautiful place. And then they put out all this greenery in the parking lot. But they don't set a pathway for the people to walk, right? And so what do the people do? Step straight through the greenery to get to where they're going. And most, so many people will see, well, they stepped on it, I'm going to step on it, and I'm going to step on it. And, and, and what you have, it becomes a habit of stepping on it. And so you have made it happen in areas of your life to step on what you actually set forth. Do you see that in your garden? I can see it in mine. I can literally see beautiful bushes. And I, and, and I didn't make a pathway for me to walk in. And so I just crash it down. Instead of cutting it up or digging it up and planting it somewhere else, I just step on it and create a pathway. And not realizing that particular piece impacts every other area. Because I didn't deem it important. See why we're here again? He says, I want you to bring it back so they can look at it this time. So they can't say that I didn't tell them. But if the seed is the word, then every preacher must make sure he use, uses good seed. It is a high offense against God to change the master's seed, to mix it, or to sow bad seed in the place of it. Some people are like the ground on the pathway. This was hard ground because people walk on it all the time and beat it down into a path or a road. People like the wayside are hard to, to the word of God and they allow no room for the seed of the word in their lives. It Ooh, never did enters. you hear that? They are hard. So he's literally talking about how they react to word. 
Holy Spirit literally says to me to say, stop picking on me, Pastor. Because sometimes you guys say that. She's picking on me. If you're hard, you need somebody to pick. Because you're not going to fertile the ground yourself. And sometimes it takes that picking to get you to see the need to move. I call you higher. He said to call them higher, so will you come up here? I've already gone, but you won't let yourself to go. It's funny, when I go into the heaven, I stop crying, but as soon as I come back into the earth realm, into this position, I start crying for everyone here. There's a sorrow. This morning he showed me there are fields of fertile soil, and we are sitting there, but we have no idea what we're doing. And he said, how can I send them to a field when they're unprepared? Yeah. We will sow our own seeds rather than his. Right. So will, we come up, will you come up here? Will you come higher? If we not twist the words as we said last week, but we are a doer of the words, we will go to a mirror, we'll see a reflection. You know, it says if we are not doers of the word, we will turn and we will immediately forget what we look like. That is the image of self, the knowledge of the word that builds up the identity of self and who we are. When we know what we look like, there won't be a reflection, there'll be a shadow. Why? Because in truth and spirit, things are seen inside out, not reflected outside in. And so then we will be covered in the secrets of, the, of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. He's calling all of us much higher. Why do, we, why do we not allow ourselves to go up? What is hindering us? Are we wishing to fix something of self? Indeed we are. What does it mean to mature? What does he say grow up? Is it a reprimand or is it a new sight into who we should be really seeing ourselves to be? This past week I said, I want to go deeper. I want to be more with you. I want to be closer. He says, you wouldn't ask that if you actually knew where you are and where you're sitting and who you are. So pray into yourself, inside your vessel to see who you really are, the light of truth of who you are. Then you will know how close and that you are one. So he says, come up higher. Who says I can't? He's the one that did it, not you. Come up higher. And close the doors to unbelief. There are some that hear the word but never meditate upon it. Sounds like we got to meditate on it. Never lay it to their hearts. Never cover it with second thoughts. It is important to see that Satan doesn't want the word of God to take root in person's heart. Like a bird swooping down and snatching a seed, he wants to remove the seed of the word from the soil of a person's heart. This is Satan's preferred result. He wants to keep the word from ever having a place in person's life so that they will never be fruitful to God. You guys get that? Yes. Because he wants you to always look like you are not owned by God. 
This morning I woke up to the Lord literally telling me. He said, you are mine. Unless I give you to somebody else, I don't want you to even thinking of staking your claims in them. He said, I am a jealous God. And I take offense to you even considering someone outside of what I've called you to do. And when he spoke to me, he spoke to me very strongly in a way that I never expected. And it was like sentence, like that was bold, strong, and, and unwavering. And he literally said, I hope you get this. And I just stood like, oh my God. And he literally said to me, I don't want anybody uprooting what I put in you. Amen. He said, I took care to put what I put in you. And I don't want you to allow somebody to unroot the things that I placed on the inside of you. And then he showed me like somebody going in, not digging up the plant, but messing with the roots. Because when the roots are exposed and they cannot handle the sun, they die. They suffocate because of a lack of oxygen that the soil produces. Hopefully you got it. Hard hearts must be plowed up before they can receive the seeds. And this can be a painful experience. Jeremiah 4, 3, Hosea 10, 12. Hard hearts. That's where we're stubborn. That's where we insist that it's us. The victim mentality. Some people are like the ground that is rocky, but covered with a thin layer of topsoil. They receive the seed of the word with a flash of enthusiasm that quickly burns out. The stony ground here isn't attacked directly by Satan, but by tribulation or persecution. Jesus knew that many have an immediately favorable reaction to the word of God, but they give it up quickly when it becomes difficult to follow Jesus. Some professing Christians have no root in themselves. Their root is in their parents or in their Christian friends or in their pastor or in enthusiastic surroundings. Then there are many more whose religion must be sustained by enthusiastic surroundings. They seem to have been baptized in boiling water. And unless the temperature around them is kept up to that point, they will wither away. Oh, did you guys get that? I love that one. Because it's saying you're literally, if you're not in the heat of the moment at all times and you don't feel like you're constantly immersed in God, that you have an issue. You guys got that? 
That means if God's not moving readily in your life, like he takes a break because he does, you, you in return feel like that uh, God's not with you. So you sabotage because you don't believe that God's with you. Continue. The religion that is born of mere excitement will die when the excitement is over. Some people are like the seed that fell among the thorns. They receive the word but allow the interests and cares of this world to choke it out. We might say this ground is too fertile, the word of God grows there, but so does everything else, and everything <laughs> else soon begins to crowd out the word of God. Well, that says the soil's too rich because it got everything growing. Um, some people are like the good ground and they accept the word and bear fruit, thus fulfilling the purpose of the seed. This parable shows that when the word is received as it should be, something happens. Fruit is produced. If nothing happens, then the word is not being received as it should. This parable deals with the problem that is greatest of all to the thoughtful mind. How is it that the scribes and Pharisees can so misrepresent him? And how is it that his kindred and disciples can totally fail to comprehend him? Why does not the hearing of the doctrine produce the same fruit in every heart? The Pharisees were not a button, uh, the better for all those heart-piercing sermons of our Savior. Nay, much the worse. Um, continue. By its very nature, light is meant to be revealed. Truth is the same way, and God promises that it will be revealed. This is going to be in different... Let's stop. We stop. That's more than enough. This is the lampstand uh, yeah. parable. So you guys get it. Mm -hmm. You get what he's saying. Mm -hmm. You understand where he's trying to take you. Again, it's so important that you stop to really understand and assess the things that are in front of you. And really ask God for understanding. You know, these things keep happening. What is it that's in me? Don't look at nobody else. What is it that I'm doing? And, and let him provide the wisdom. Again, I gave you the example. I sit on my couch all the time. And there's times that I get nothing. But it does not mean that I don't come back. I'm going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep presenting myself until he speaks. I look forward to him speaking to me. So if he doesn't speak, I say another day. If I don't hear him, I say another hour. But I look forward to hearing him. But I only can take you so far. You have to choose to go the extra mile.
was never meant that the pastor carry you through. It has always been meant for you to get there on your own. Every soldier is grafted in. But every soldier must carry his own battle gear. And you can't say, Pastor, carry this. Oh, I need the knife now. Carry this. I need the shotgun now. You have to carry your own battle gear. Better yet, you have to walk your own walk. This is an invitation. I think a deep invitation to go higher, to go deeper. What does he require of us to go deeper in? But imagine, Billy started off with a testimony that he became a citizen. But what does a citizen of the kingdom truly look like? And as people who take this responsibility serious and truly come into the place to whereby you're trusting God. Never said it wasn't going to be difficult. Never said that it wasn't going to be harder. But God laid some foundational work in front of you today. And he's asking you to really take a look at it and dive deeper. You want to know who you are? Go ask him. You want to know your struggles? Go ask him. He has a better way of saying it than anybody else. And believe it, we can't conjure up your path. God gives you your own visions to show you, hey, this is where it came from. This is what it came from. I mean, many times I hear somebody saying, that's a respect of a person. Well, how did I get it? How do I deal with it? How do I get past it? I had to go to God to get it. I had to go to God to understand how to get past it. I had to go to God to understand how to even deal with it. He made you, not me. He made you. No one in this room made you. Even if it came from your mother's womb, he still made you. Now go back to the maker. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to you today. Lord, I thank you even now for the words that have been literally spoken. And Lord, even now with the eyes closed and the hands lifted and raised. Lord, even now. We all have heard what you have spoken to us today. And today, we are in agreement with the word and the invitation that you have set forth. And Lord, we answer the call. I'm here, Lord. 
I choose to make time for you to understand the mysteries, the secret things that only you can unveil in me. And as I choose you today, Lord, let your word continue to rest upon my heart. And that I am led through the doors that you have called me to walk through. For your name's sake. And everything you share with me, I shall cherish. As you require of me. Lord, even as we raise our hands and we close our eyes, Lord, we surrender all. Have your way. Do whatever you desire in me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I look to the prophets. Anybody else had something needed to be shared? Okay. You are blessed and you are free to go. In Jesus' name. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.